The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. And if you would, open your Bibles to John chapter 1. We'll just start there today. John chapter 1. And we're going to look at just one verse this morning. Just, just John chapter 1 and just one verse, verse 18. So we read here in John chapter 1 and verse 18. No man has seen God at any time. That's, that's a statement made by the Lord Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Let's pray before we go on. Father, thank you for this day. I pray that you'd bless us as we study uh, from your word. Instruct and teach us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said, no man hath seen God at any time. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? Um, no man has seen God the Father at any time. So who did Adam see? Anyone answer that question? Who did Adam see? Because Adam walked in the garden. Did he not? He walked in the garden with the Lord. So who did Adam see? He saw Jesus Christ. That's who he saw. He saw the second member of the Trinity, God the Son. He saw Jesus, the only manifestation of God, in the form of man. Who else, but just, just out of curiosity, who else saw Jesus before he was born in Bethlehem? Anyone, anyone remember? Moses saw Jesus. Who else? Joshua saw Jesus on the eve of the battle of Jericho. Who else saw Jesus? Abraham, when the visitors came to his tent. So, so we see the manifestation of God in the second person of the Trinity, which we have an entire section of this study devoted just to that manifestation. But Jesus declares no man has seen the Spirit God. No man has seen him at any time, ever. Only Jesus has seen him. And Jesus declares him unto us. So from the word of God, we find the, the proof and the evidence of God's existence. In our last study, we saw that God is far above our limited ability to fully comprehend. I, I, I said it and I stand by what I said. We all, we all here this morning, we believe and trust in faith. We believe in God. We trust in faith of God. But we do not have the ability. None of us here can claim we fully understand God. Because he is incomprehensible to our finite human mind. The only comprehension we have of God 
is that which he has declared to us and he allows us to comprehend. That which he has revealed to us through his word. So when, when we talk to people about God, we need to understand that God is, cannot be defined. And I tell them that. I, I tell people that question me about God, they say, well, what is God? I say, I have no idea. I know what he is according to scripture, but God is greater than the human mind has the ability to perceive. God's true self is not, however, limited to our feeble ability to comprehend. We can only comprehend that for which we have a frame of reference. In other words, we only comprehend that we have gained through experience. The human mind can only comprehend that which it has personal, which it has experienced itself. In other words, if you and I had never experienced pain, then we couldn't comprehend it. If someone came to you and said, Oh, I'm in so much pain, but I never felt pain. I'd never experienced pain. I might feel pity for them. I might feel sorry for them, but I can't comprehend what they're going through. The same with sorrow. If we had not experienced sorrow, we wouldn't understand it. Uh, hunger. Have you ever been hungry? My kids used to come to me all the time and say, Dad, I'm starving. And I said, no, you're not. You're not starving. You've, you've never been starving a moment in your life. You've never gone more than four or five hours without a meal. You have no idea what starving is. You can't comprehend it. Okay, they'd say, well, I really would like to eat. Okay, well, that's better. Um, fear. If we'd never experienced fear, then we wouldn't understand danger. And we would not avoid those types of things. So you understand what I'm saying? Unless we have a frame of reference, unless we have experienced something, then we really can't comprehend it. We might, we might believe it and we might accept it, but we can't really comprehend it. And this defines God. God is something that you and I, he is someone that you and I cannot fully comprehend. We can only comprehend what we ourselves have experienced. Therefore, God reveals himself to us by using references that we can comprehend. Last week, we, or last time we, we met, we saw that God is spirit. And, and the Bible defined God as spirit and, and says those that will worship him must worship him in spirit. God can choose to make himself visible to man in any form he chooses. But that does not mean that that form identifies his essence. God could choose to reveal himself to us in any form on this earth. He chose to do it by, by taking on the form of a man himself. So we can comprehend and understand God. God is spirit. And in this sense, we are created in the image of God in that we also are spirit. We, we possess a soul. 
the spirit of man. And as such, we possess similar characteristics of God. We don't possess all the characteristics of God. And we do not possess these characteristics to the same degree that God does. But we do possess similar characteristics to God. And that is what we mean when we say we're created in his image. So God is spirit. We looked at that last time. Now today I'd like to look at, secondly, God is a person. God is not only spirit, but he is a person. Now, what does the word person mean? I'm not sure if I put this definition on your, if I put it on your study sheets or not. But in a spiritual sense, person is defined as one of the three modes of being in the Trinitarian Godhead as understood by Christians. So God the, God the Father is the Spirit. God the Son is the person. It's the unitary personality of Christ that unites the divine and human natures. It's, it's the manifestation of God that relates to the human mind. So that we can have an example, so that we can perceive, so that we can to some degree comprehend. While it is clearly evident in Scripture that God is spirit, it is equally evident in Scripture that God is, at the same time, a person. I'd like for you to turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And we're going to begin reading... At verse number 36. We read here, and as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. So we see Jesus, the second person in the, in the Godhead, in the Trinity, Revealing himself as flesh and bone, as a person unto his disciples. Yes, God exists and did exist as a spirit. And yet, he also exists and existed in the person of Jesus. And in the spirit or in the person, he possessed the same attributes. Jesus was God, and Jesus is God. Uh, the Bible refers to Jesus as the son of who? Son of God. But in, es- in actuality, that reference is given so we can understand, so we can distinguish between the Father and the Son. But Jesus is God. He is the same God that exists in the Spirit 
that is the Father. He is the same person. So you see the references God gives us. He, he calls him the Son of God. In essence, though, he is God in the flesh. So we, we, we see the existence of Jesus uh, in, the, in, in the person of, of God. Personality is defined as the complex characteristics that distinguish an individual or a nation or group. We said last time we met, we met, animals do not have personality. Well, we might, we might say they do. I've heard some people say, well, animals have personality. But animals don't actually have personality. They, they have, they have ingrained nature. They be hurt, they behave in predictable ways. There's no uniqueness in their, in their identity. So animals do not possess personality, but man does. Now what denotes personality? I, I'm going to focus on three attributes that denote personality. First, there's knowledge. And knowledge means intellectual uh, abilities. Um, man has the ability to learn. He has an intellect. He has the ability to reason and to learn. Uh, animals do not. Animals behave by, by their natural characteristics. Their, their un, an animal's characteristics are passed to them from generation to generation from their, the previous generation. Second attribute of personality is feelings. Feelings are emotions. Now again, animals may seem to have feelings. And, and, and sometimes people give animals characteristics that, while it's quaint and cute, just simply don't exist. I mean, my dog at home, Earl. No name for a dog, but Earl. We adopted him, so we, we didn't change his name. He's too old to change it. He'd be confused. So we kept the name Earl. If I go to the cabinet and touch the drawer where Earl's food is kept, he runs over and his tail is just wagging. And he has a habit. He, he lifts one paw. And he stands on three paws and he's wagging his tail because he's excited it's his nature. He knows food's coming. So he's excited about that. But he doesn't have, animals don't have feelings as, as humans do. And the third attribute is a will. A will. And that is, that is self-awareness or the ability to make a choice. So... These are attributes of personality, and we say that God exists not only in spirit, but as a person. Therefore, he must possess personality in the form of, of, of Jesus Christ. So how do we reconcile these things? What is our evidence that God in, in person possessed personality? Well, let's take a look at that. Number one on your study sheet says God has attributes 
of personality. So what are those? Well, first, letter A, God has knowledge. In Matthew 6.32, we read, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Jesus said, Your Father knows what you need. He has knowledge of this. Scriptures say that God knows the end from the beginning. The Bible says that God is omniscient, meaning he knows all things. And God possesses knowledge, which is an attribute of personality. In Matthew chapter 6, in verse 8, we read, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. So we see that God possesses knowledge. He knows all things. He knows everything. God knows more about me than I know. You, you understand that? He knows more about you than you do. And God has complete and utter knowledge. But letter B, not only does God have knowledge, which is one of the attributes of personality, but letter B, God has feelings, which we said denotes emotions. God has feelings. Proverbs six sixteen, we read, These six things doth the Lord hate. Now, hating something or despising something is an emotion. An emotion we attribute only to humans. But it is an emotion that also Jesus possesses and God the Father possesses. Proverbs 126, the Lord states, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. Laughter, again, that's an emotion, a human emotion. Um, animals don't laugh, but humans do. And in this way, we share the attributes of God. We, we have feelings, we have emotions. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. God loves. And God has perfect love and complete love. God's love surpasses human understanding. I don't know how God could love someone like me. I'm not sure my wife even knows how God could love someone like me. I tell her all the time, well, you love me. But God loves, and that's, that's an emotion, that's a feeling. So we see that God has knowledge, God has feelings, but then thirdly, let her see, God has a will. God has a will, and this, this denotes choice. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10, in the Lord's model prayer, he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, we read, and be not conformed to this world, 
but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And as we established last time, we are created in God's image. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And these attributes of personality are shared by you and me today. We possess these attributes. We possess these characteristics of personality. Because we are created, because man was made in the image of God. That doesn't mean our physical form. That means our attributes, our characteristics. We possess these attributes of personality. But they do not limit God to existing as a person. So because... When we say, well, we're created in the image of God, we have these attributes, so God must, must be limited to being a person just like you and me. No. God is not limited to any form. God possesses characteristics that he has shared with his creation, with man. However, they do, they, while they do not limit God to existing as a person, they do prove our kinship to the Father. Through creation. So the idea that the idea that 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 some primordial ooze produced the right amino acids that formed together into a single celled creature and over billions of years evolved into a man. This is a slap in the face of God. It is, it is calling God a liar. And the wrath of God will fall upon those who do so. So we, we, we see our kinship. You and I were created. Man was created in God's image. He was created with, with these attributes that... That give him kinship to the Father. And make us a unique creation. I was watching, I like to watch science shows, although they're, they're, they're absolutely 100% wrong. Um, but I like to watch them anyway, because I like science. But some, some, one of these astrophysicists, remember the Bible says, professing themselves to be, to be wise, they became fools. And this astrophysicist standing there and saying, there must, there must be life somewhere else in the universe. And I said to myself, no, you idiot, there isn't. And if you, if you think so, then you're calling God a liar. Because if you read his word, you'll understand man is a unique creature. We're a unique creation, created it. In the image of God. For the pleasure and purpose of God. So God had a will. And God has feelings. And God has knowledge. 
And therefore, we can firmly state that God has the attributes of personality. But probably the biggest thing that proves that, that, that God has, possesses personality is the fact that, number two, God is personally involved in our lives. God is personally involved in our lives. Now, now I want you to take a moment and think about this. This is all, these are all facts we, we know. I'm not teaching anything today that you didn't already know. I'm just trying to teach it maybe from an angle that you never thought of before. Maybe from a deeper angle than, than we've, we've previously considered these things. God is personally involved in our lives. You see, to, to the believer, to the child of God, God is, God is, is so real. To unsaved man, to natural man, he, he uses the term God loosely. But he has no real understanding or any real interaction in his life with God. But you and I do. If you're here this morning and you're a child of God, then I know, without doubt, I know you can attest to the, to the, the fact that God is involved in your life. And you... You, you see it happening. God is personally involved in our lives. Let me share some ways with you. First, he speaks. Matthew 3.17, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, wait a minute before you guys go off and say, Well, Brother Dalton, he's going off the deep end. God doesn't speak to us today with a voice. Uh, I don't get up in the morning and brushing my teeth and the Lord goes, Dalton. If I ever hear the word Dalton, I'm going to freak out. Yeah. Now, sometimes I'm brushing my teeth and I might hear Dalton. Now, that voice, I know. That's okay. God doesn't speak to us with a voice. But he does speak to us, doesn't he? You ever sit down and read the Bible? And as you're reading the word of God, you feel the presence of, of the Lord in your life and he's revealing truth to you and he speaks to us through his written word. He speaks to us through prayer. Have you ever knelt to pray? And as you're praying, all of a sudden, thoughts come into your mind and and you might get led in a totally different direction. That's the Father speaking through the Holy Spirit as we pray. Have you ever sat in the pew when the pastor's preaching and suddenly you're convicted in your heart and in your heart you know you need to do something different? That's God speaking to you. He's speaking to you through the preaching of his word. God speaks to us through his written word. He speaks to us through, through uh, preaching. And he speaks to us through prayer. So absolutely, God speaks to us. I feel sorry for anyone. I feel sorry for anyone who, who could stand and say, well, I've never heard God speak to me. I've never, I've never felt God speaking to me. That's a, that's a sad thing. Very sad. God speaks. What else does he do? How else is he personally involved? Uh, secondly, he sees. 
He sees. Matthew 6 and verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Do you see that? God sees. God sees all that we do. We may, we may try to hide to do things. Man loves darkness. Why? Because his deeds are evil. Man loves to do, to do his deeds under the, under the shroud of darkness because he, he perceives no man can see. Uh, no man can see, but God sees. And God sees all things. He, he, he's personally involved in our life because he watches over us and sees the, the things we do. How else? Next, he gives. He gives. We, we read earlier, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And God gives to us at all times. He gives us the things we need. Sometimes we want things that we don't need. And God will not give us those things that are not good for us. And that will not help us to, to grow in his knowledge and to, to, to do his will and purpose. But he does give us the things we need. And, and, and you know, having knowledge of that, listen to me, having knowledge of that will, will alter your prayer life. It'll change your prayer life. I used to pray, Lord, would you give me this? Lord, I'd love to have this. Lord, can you, you know how I pray now? I go to him, I say, Father, I pray you give me those things that I need to do your will, to serve you, and to fulfill your purpose for my life. And he will. He will give us the things we need to have. Sometimes we need trouble. So don't be sad when trouble comes. Sometimes we need that trouble. The Lord is teaching us something in that. Remember, he won't forsake you. So when you're, when you're in the midst of horrible troubles and you feel like your world is crashing down, just remember this. God will not leave you or forsake you. He's there with you. He doesn't mean it to consume you. He only means it to strengthen you, to purify you. Trust in him. Stand on your faith and allow God to lead you through it. He, he provides. Next, uh, or next, he provides Philippians 419. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God supplies everything. Sometimes I'm. Sometimes I'm absolutely amazed. At how, how richly God has blessed me throughout the years that I've been a Christian. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm astounded. But he provides. Next, he works. John five seventeen. but Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. God works in our lives. He's, he's busy, he's involved. Well, while we're over here fretting and worrying, God has already worked something out so that when we get over here, he meets all the needs we have. We don't see it, but he does. He knows it, and he works. He works things out. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose.
he works. Next, he blesses. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Next, i got to hurry. He promises. Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God has made you and I promises not to leave us or forsake us, to provide those things that we need, to give us, to, to, to gather us together with him for all eternity. He has made promises to us. Next, he comforts. He comforts. Second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. And God comforts you and I through the most difficult moments, through, the, through our deepest sorrow. God comforts us. He comforts us through his word. He comforts us through fellowship with other believers. He comforts us and comes to us. Next, he delivers. Second Timothy 3.11 Persecutions, afflictions, Afflictions which came up unto me at Antioch, at Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Listen, over the, over the last 39 years that I've been a Christian, I have had some troubles that I thought would consume me. I've had difficulties that I just, I woke up in the morning and just, didn't know how I was going to go on. But I'm here to tell you that through all of those things, God delivered me. He held me up. And he strengthened me. And it was by him and him alone that I endured. Next, he chooses. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. According as, as he hath chosen us in him... Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him <coughs> in love. This one I, I don't think I'll ever understand till he explains it to me. And when I'm in his presence, how he could love someone like me and choose me before I was even born. Before the world was even created, I was chosen in him. And so were you. Next, he calls. 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful. By whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He has called us. He called you. He called me. He chose us. And he called us unto repentance. And he, he gave us the measure of faith. And now he has called us to go forth and glorify him in all that we do. <laughs> Next, he disciplines. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 6, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. You know, <laughs> I'm so, I'm so, I feel so sorry for children today. I feel so sorry for children today because their parents have forsaken them. Now their parents think that they're, that they're enlightened and wise and compassionate. But the truth of the matter is, they've forsaken their children to the wiles of the devil. Because whom the Lord loveth, 
He chasteneth. And I'm here to tell you right now. Now, I don't believe in beating children, but I believe in disciplining children. And if you love your children, you will discipline them. If you do not discipline, do not claim you love them. And I'm going to get off that. Next, he forgives. <laughs> First John 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And folks, there are many more examples in Scripture of God's personal involvement in our life. But time forbids me to go through and examine every one. That's your assignment. Get into the Word of God and find the ways that God is involved in your life. So I I put two personal applications on your sheet. First one relates to what we studied last time. We must worship God in our spirit and in truth. And the second one (coughs) relates to our lesson today. And that is, we must fellowship with God in a personal sense. We must fellowship with God in a personal sense. Sense. God is a person, and as such, he possesses personality. And he, per- he is involved in our lives on a personal level. So we are to fellowship with God in a personal sense. Well, I hope that these things are helpful. Again, as I said, that's nothing new. It's things we already know. But looking at them from maybe a slightly different angle, and I hope that they help. So thank you for being here today, and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org